Welcome to another episode of e-commerce on tap brought to you by Sourceify. I'm your host, Nathan Resnick. Please like, and subscribe. We're super excited for today's guest. And here we go. Today we have a really interesting guest, Nikki tuning in or calling in from Toronto, Canada. Nikki, thanks so much for joining. Nathan, thanks for having me on the show. I want to start learning your backstory. Give us a deep dive of who Nikki is. I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. When I was a wee lad of 11 years of age, the Islamic Revolution happened in Iran. And my late father, God rest his soul, could see the writing on the wall that this was not going to be a great place for him to raise his Christian family. So what he did is he made a plan and he got us out of Iran. And eventually we settled where I now live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I thank God every day for my dad and his foresight. Because of that, he changed the legacy of our family. And the legacy he left us is a legacy of freedom, of taking us away from tyranny and bringing us to freedom. And me, I'm a champion of freedom, free expression and free enterprise. And I know that these days in America, in the West, there's a bunch of people that are saying, oh my God, America, it's so oppressive. It's so racist. It's so sexist. And you know what I have to say to them? Are you freaking kidding me? It's the most tolerant, amazing place in the world. Or is it perfect? No. But compared to every other place in the world, it rocks. You want to see real oppression come to Iran. Five months ago, a young woman, 22 years old, named Massa Armini, was beaten to death by police for the crime of being outdoors with their hair partially uncovered. You think about that. In Iran, it's a crime for women to be outdoors with their hair uncovered, a crime that gets you killed. So I'm grateful to live in freedom. I think we all should be. Everybody in business should understand that your ability to do business is based on being free. And freedom is a birthright that we all have. And thank God in America for the founding fathers who created a freedom for all of us to be able to do business and to be able to build a life of our dreams. So that's the first thing I say. My dad, he was a man of freedom. He was an entrepreneur. He was an uplifter of humanity. If he knew you and you were looking for work, he'd make some calls and get you a job. If you're trying to start a business, he'd meet with you. He'd bring you advisors, even capital to get you going. If you right. were trying to buy a car, a house, an apartment, and you knew him, and you didn't have enough money, dad would bring some money and help you out so you could buy that car, that house, or that apartment. Wow. Who does that? The yeah. great Napoleon Ballou, for one. Why would he do that? First of all, he was a Christian. He believed as a Christian he'd been blessed by God, and it was his duty to share those blessings with other people. Secondly, though, he was rich. He could do it. He had the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the wherewithal of success is what entrepreneurship makes possible. And I wanted to be like that. I wanted to be of service to my fellow man and woman. That's what got me involved in entrepreneurship. And what I noticed is a lot of people in business, they're good at what they do, the technical thing they do, and they're good people with big hearts, but right. they don't understand business. They don't understand marketing, sales. They don't understand lead generation. They don't understand balance sheets, income statements, cash flow statements, hiring, firing, culture, customer service. They don't get any of that stuff. And so I do, I come from a business background, a business family. So I started helping people successfully take their passion for their business, marry it with knowledge and execution. And that's what allowed people to double, triple, quadruple their business. Like, for example, around sales, a lot of people, they're nervous about selling. Oh, I don't right. want to come across like I'm pushy or salesy. 
they hide behind trying to do everything over e-commerce. But if you sell high ticket, you can use online to get people to you. But at some point, they're going to want to talk to you and get to know you, right? You right. sell low ticket, not so much. So if you sell high ticket, you're going to need to have conversations with people and you need to get past this fear of selling. So what I did is I helped people reframe selling to serving. Nobody wants to be sold. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold, but we love right. to be served. So teaching people how to rewire their thinking using some neuroscience principles really help people knock it out of the park and be able to like double, triple, quadruple their business. Wow. And that was wow. a great start. And my dad used to always say business is about people, not money. Yeah. You know, that person sitting in front of you, that's a human being. That's a mother. That's a father. Right. That's a brother. That's a sister. Someone mm -hmm. loves them. Someone counts on them. And maybe they've been disappointed by life. Your job is mm -hmm. to help them out. And don't let the disappointments of other people that are in their past get in the way of you being of service to them and taking them to the next level. I love that. I love that. I want to ask, I've got a question about freedom. And it's something that's top of mind right now because... Global trade really powers e-commerce. Most e-commerce brands produce their products in Asia because cheap costs, cheap labor, cheap materials, and then sell it into America or Canada or wherever it may be into countries that typically high have higher income so people can afford to pay more for these products. And when it comes to freedom in global trade, people would say that by manufacturing in Asia and taking advantage of their lower cost of labor and lower cost of materials kind of flips the script on the global economy because we aren't forced to have to produce products locally. We aren't forced to have to produce products domestically. And so I'm curious from a global trade perspective and freedom, how do you see those worlds combine when it comes to macroeconomics and utilizing income environments and demographics to produce products so us as North American consumers can buy an iPhone for six or $800 instead of it being thousands of dollars. If an iPhone was made in North America, they could still sell it for similar prices. Their product would still make a profit. It just wouldn't make a massive profit. It would just make a normal profit if they decided to do that. So there's that. But listen, I'm somebody who's been in favor of free trade, but we don't have pure free trade anywhere in the world anymore. You've got a situation where you've got a managed trade situation and you need to be careful. There's some countries that are absolutely not playing the game fairly. And this isn't a macroeconomic trade seminar by any means, but China, as an example, a lot of their stuff, they dump it onto markets. And unfortunately, the Chinese Communist Party is in charge of the government over there. And they've got a hundred year plan to be a global superpower and dominate the world. Anybody who, you know, pretends that's not the case is just being naive or they're being deliberately obtuse, or maybe they're an agent of the Chinese Communist Party. Love mm -hmm. the Chinese people. I do, I do business with Chinese entities and I bought their products, not that I have like deals to like make things there and import them here. Mm -hmm. I buy Chinese products, but I'm also careful if possible to do business with other entities, I do that. So if there's a Vietnamese company, I, I would go work with them or an Indian right. company. I think that makes more sense because those countries don't have a global ambition to dominate the world. So I think right. those types of things need to be taken into account by anybody who wants to do business. If you live in North America and you do business with China, you got to be careful. There's more to it than simply how much money you can make. Makes a lot of sense. Now I want to really dive into something else that you mentioned in your introduction in regards to how to be a salesman without being salesy. I feel like that's 
so hard to do in today's environment. A lot of us as brands go to a bunch of trade shows. We're trying to get retailers to showcase our products. Obviously, our e-commerce websites that people can shop online and buy our products through. What do you mean by being a salesman, but not being salesy? I think it's very straightforward, right? If you're being salesy, all you care about is the commission. All you care about is what you get out of the deal. And people can smell that a mile away. They don't want to do business with somebody like that in this day and age. So if you're looking to do business and your primary motivation is you're screwed. Mm. Business is about solving problems for right. people for profit. Right. Acute problems for amazing people for an awesome profit. That's business. I'm a capitalist, man. I believe in making money. You know what I'm saying? But you got to be helping people. If that's not your primary motivation to solve problems for people for profit, you're screwed, man. People can tell. Instead of thinking, am I going to get the sale? Are they going to work with me? Think about, I wonder what this person's issues are. What are the problems that they're dealing with? And can I help solve those with what I do? Really, that's the right way to think about things. Think about things that way. People pick up on that. No, you're not in it just for the sale and the commission. That reeking of commission breath. <laughs> yeah. You're like somebody who actually cares about them and what happens to them and how they do. And right. that's what you got to do, man. Yeah. For me, my clients, they're like friends. They're like family to me. I care about them. I want to see them win. And it's more important to me that they win than necessarily that I make the maximum amount of money out of the work that we do together. I'm not looking for a transaction to be lucrative. Right. I'm looking for a relationship that lasts and lasts to be lucrative. Got it. Makes sense. And as an entrepreneur, how do you go about aligning your motives with your customer? Obviously, you want to build and create a product that brings value to that customer. At the end of the day, there are a lot of businesses that maybe take make too much profit, like we talked about with iPhones or maybe have products that aren't very value add for their customers. And so are you saying if your product's not value add, throw it in the trash and start from the get go. And there's that whole debate yeah. of you want to create a painkiller or a vitamin from a business stand standpoint. Right. And so I'm curious what kind of look, side look, you fall if on. If you're in business and your entire focus is on you and what's in it for you, you're no better than a drug dealer. Because that's what they think. They don't mind wrecking people's lives to make money. They don't care. If you're in business and your focus is, I want to help people and make money, that's noble. That's good. I don't think there's such a thing as too much profit. I'm not a communist. Mm -hmm. If you can sell a product for a certain price and people are willing to pay, that's the market for you. That's how it should be. But right. I don't undercharge. I don't think anybody mm -hmm. should undercharge. When you undercharge, right. you actually rob your client of the value yeah. of what you have to sell. There's How something you... called expectancy bias. People expect more from something they pay more for. Mm. But let me show you an example. Yeah. So this is a Mont Blanc pen, right? $1,000. This is a pen from another company. I forget the name. Good pen. Writes really well. Good pen writes extremely well. I use this way more often than I use the other pen. Why? Because it's a Mont Blanc. You know what I mean? And when I go into a meeting and I'm signing a deal with my Mont Blanc, I feel better. If someone sees my pen, they go, wow, that's a nice pen. Right. They say, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I have an expectation of a certain value, a right. certain level of enjoyment from having this pen.
and people want to pay what something's worth. Yeah, we love getting deals. Sure, we love getting deals. But if I told you I could sell you this Mont Blanc pen for 10 bucks, you wouldn't believe it was real. Right. Well, no, that's not a real Mont Blanc pen. He's not going to sell yeah. me a Mont Blanc pen for 10 bucks. Forget it. I'm right. not going to give you 10 bucks. And so you can't be undercharging, but nor should you gouge. Right. You should charge what something's worth. And yeah. You should make the money you deserve to make. Don't, the, definitely don't undercharge, but don't right. overcharge either. But how do you know what the right price is to charge? Let's say you are Mont Blanc and you're trying to figure out how should I price my pen to be fair to customers and be able to create that value for them. How do you price your products? What kind of solution so or look, formula? I don't, look, I don't like words like be fair to people. Those are like socialist words and communist words that those people use those in order to beat down capitalists to try to force them to not act upon their own free will. There's no fair. There's what the market will bear. I was willing to pay $1,000 for this pen. No one put a gun to my head. That's the beauty of free market capitalism, right? I could have said no. I could have not bought it, but I bought it. Actually, someone bought this one for me, but I bought other month-long pens, right? And that's the beauty of free market capitalism. If you create something with high value, then charge for it what you believe it's worth. Look, I work with business owners. You're a business owner. If you decided you needed help to scale your business, if you decided you needed an executive coach or wanted to be part of one of the peer groups that I run, the very minimum fee you'd pay me is $10,000. And I've the maximum fee that I charge for my program is a quarter million dollars. Now, why would you consider paying that kind of money? There's only one reason. You expect that if you work with me, you'll get a return of multiples of what you put in. So if you put in $10,000 to do one of my work programs with me, you would want to make at least a $50,000 return. That would make it worthwhile. You wouldn't need to think about it. You go, 10 grand gets me back 50, I'm in. If you were going to spend $250,000 with me, well, you would want at least a million dollar return on that. If you wouldn't get a million dollar return, why would you spend the 250? It's not the amount of money that you're paying me that matters. What matters is, is there a return commensurate with what I've paid? Four, five, tenfold. If it's less than one to one, it's a no-brainer to say no to it. If it's two to one, if you put 10 and you get 20 or put 250 and get 500, then it's a no-brainer that you should do it. You, you know what I mean? If it's five to one, by God, like run to do it. You, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's all about. It really just depends on what you're looking to get out of the purchase that you make. I order a lot of things online, okay? I order Mont Blanc pens online. I have a Mont Blanc notebook. So this is my Mont Blanc notebook. Now, I also have another notebook here that I used. This is a notebook I bought from the dollar store. This cost me three bucks. This cost me a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? They both work. They're both lovely in terms of getting the job done, but one of them is a Mont Blanc. And if you look at the Mont Blanc, I mean, this has got just a velour cover to it. And this is a signature of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the fellow who created the Sherlock Holmes characters. And if you look at the beauty of the pages, they're just, they're, they got a little bit of a silver kind of lining on the leaf, right? Silver leaf book. It's amazing. It's a spectacular book. Now this puppy, yeah, it's a regular hardback notebook, regular paper, no silver leaf added to it. It's nice. It does the job, but this is a, a different level 
and people buy things based on the value they perceive. If they're buying a product, they're buying a product because they perceive a higher level of value from the money they spend than not. If they're buying a coaching program or they're buying professional services, they perceive a value, a higher value than the money they're putting into them from spending that money. Now, I make a lot of money when I charge you 10000 50000 200000 250000 It really benefits me. But it better sure as heck benefits you. You better make a ton of money from working with me. I pride myself on making sure the people I work with get a return. But you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the importance as someone who's involved in business. You got to make sure that what you deliver to people is worth it to them way more than the amount of money that they spent on it. Got it. Yeah, that's the bread and butter right there. That's awesome. Nikki, as we wrap up here, there's one question that I always ask guests, and it's a question that you create yourself. So what's one question that I didn't ask you that you want to be asked, and then you're going to answer it. So is there anything that comes to mind right off the bat? The question I want you to ask me is tell me your best story, your best client story. Okay. So I'll answer it. Several years ago, a woman was introduced to us. I work with my better half. She and I are life and business collaborators and partners. And this woman had been the national director for Canada for one of the world's oldest and largest personal development firms. She's a rock star. Yep. And she made a decision that she needed to bring someone on board to help her grow the company. Okay. Like Steve Jobs back in the day with Apple when he yeah. brought John Scully in the 80s. So wow. she brought this fellow over to work with her. And Steve and John, at first, they got on. They just flowed. They made things happen. Right. But just like Steve and John, after about a year, their visions of the future diverged. Mm-hmm. And they started butting heads. And just like Steve and John, she was kicked out of her own company. You think wow. about this, right? Wow. How can you get kicked out of your own company? It's crazy. But it can happen. And she was bereft. She was lost. She was brought to us. She was like looking for something new. We sat with her and we said, we can totally help you. Let's do this. And we helped her, first of all, get clear on who she wanted to help, what was the problem she was solving for them. And we helped her get clear on pricing because she was undercharging in a big way. And we sent her out there to get to work. And she did, she, she became an executive coach and she started to, in her first month, she made $10,000. In profit wow. in her second month she made twelve thousand. In her third month she made eighteen thousand. And by her fourth month she was making sixty two thousand two hundred dollars in profit. You wow. think about that's some good money, bro. Yeah. And uh, anyways, we were excited for her. Now she lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto, which is about mm-hmm. a five hour drive mm-hmm. apart. And my oldest son, who was twelve at the time, he's about to turn seventeen. He had a soccer tourney in Ottawa, or as I like to call it, football, because it's <laughs> real football, because you actually play with yeah. your feet. <laughs> I called her up, and I said, hey, my boy and I were coming to Ottawa. He's got a tournament. How'd you and your son, because she has a son his age, like to come and see him play? She said, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be great. So they came. They watched. They won the tourney, which is fantastic. And we had some lunch, and I went home. And... A few weeks later, she came to Toronto. Mm. We were having one of our quarterly branded thought leader immersion workshops. And this is where we sit with people. We help the good people that are there really add a zero, two zeros, three zeros to their income. We have an upsell, 
or an upserve, as you were, to a year-long mastermind. It's a high-ticket program. And the way that I do it is I ask a couple of our members to share their stories with people. Yeah. So I said, who'd like to share? And before I could pick anybody, she bounds up on stage, brother. It goes me. I'm like, okay, excellent. (laughs) She takes a good look over the room, and then she starts to ball. Wow. Wow. And I'm looking at her going, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Any normal man would do. Faced with a crying woman. Yeah. (laughs) And she turns around. She looks at me. I'm staying calm on the outside, but inside I'm freaking out. What do I do here? And she goes, Nikki, she's between sobs and tears. We hand her some tissue. She goes, you didn't know this, but when you and your little son came to see me, my little son, my little boy sitting in the back of the car is going, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? And as she's driving, she goes, oh, sweetheart, we're going to go see Nikki Baloo and his son. And then she said, all of a sudden, my sweet boy got really quiet. He goes, Nikki Baloo. She said, yeah. I says, oh, mommy, are we going to go see the man who saved our family? Wow. And brother, I'm looking at her and I start to bawl myself and I don't cry in public, you know? Yeah. I'm an old school, alpha male, masculine man. You know what I'm saying? Uh Not a modern snowflake, but I cried. We hugged. And between her sobs, she goes, what I didn't tell you when we met was we were on the verge of losing our home. Wow. We hadn't paid our mortgage in months. Wow. And my my husband and I were fighting over money every day. It looked uh-huh. like we were going to break up and I was going to lose my precious family. But you literally helped us save our wow. family. Nikki, that is incredible. And I just looked at her and I just said, wow, I didn't know. What do right. you know about what somebody's dealing right. with? Thus yep. they tell you. Yep. And I just thought, man, God, please, God, help me help the next person like her win in life. And she was somebody that went to the next level in life. And uh, here's the other thing. That little boy was my best ever salesman. Wow. Because everybody in the room, when they heard that story bought. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Nikki, that is awesome. Guys, everyone listening. And if you want to learn more from Nikki, go to ecircleacademy.com. Nikki, thanks again for coming on e-commerce on tap. It was a pleasure to have you and really appreciate you sharing your story. Nathan, thanks for having me. God bless you, brother.